All right, Matthew chapter 6. We have been studying the Lord's Prayer, learning how to pray. And uh, today we come to the end of the prayer, finally. We come to the end of the Lord's Prayer. Let's start at the beginning and just kind of review where we've been as we come to the end. So in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, pray then in this way, pray in this manner. Here's how to pray. And we said that, that the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer just to be uh, recited from rote. It's not for meaningless, empty repetition. He warns against that even in the context. But rather, this is a pattern to follow. We talked about the pattern of prayer. So this is a pattern. It's a blueprint uh, that we can follow and build our own praying upon. Our Father who is in heaven, we talked about the paternity of prayer. This is the whole basis of praying. We come to God as our Father in heaven. Now, he's not your Father unless you know his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, without the Lord Jesus, he's your Creator, he's your Judge, but he's not your Father unless and until you are born from above. You're born into his family, and you get born into his family when you repent of your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you. You come to know and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only Savior. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He was raised again. And so you repent, turn from your sin, turn from self, turn from the world, turn to Jesus Christ in faith, and ask and trust him to forgive you and to save you and to change you. That's how you're saved. And uh, you're born into God's family, and now God becomes your Father in heaven. That's the whole basis of this prayer, is that you know him as Father. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's the priority of prayer. The priority of our lives, the priority of our praying should be that God's name would be hallowed. That just means lifted up, magnified, made great, that God would be glorified. That's our ultimate priority. Your kingdom come. There's the program of prayer, God's kingdom and we talked about his reign and rule. We want his reign and rule manifested in our lives and in our church and ultimately in the world. And we pray for the uh, salvation of the lost and the surrender of the saved. We pray for the defeat of evil and the return of our Savior. Thy kingdom come. The Spirit and the bride say come. And then we pray, uh, give, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the plan of prayer. That God's will would be accomplished. I want to be in the middle of God's will. I want to be doing God's will. I want God's will done in me. And uh, it's not my will, but thy will be done. It's not my agenda I want accomplished. I want God's agenda accomplished. And so that's, that's the plan of our praying. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There's the provision of prayer. And we need God even for daily necessities of life. But here's the good news. God is a faithful provider who provides the daily necessities of life to his children. And so give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's the pardon of prayer. And we said that we need forensic forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins. That's how we're saved in his Blood, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So we need that saving forgiveness of sins. But then we also need fellowship forgiveness. As believers, we need daily forgiveness of our sins for close communion with God, to walk with God, to abide in Christ, to walk in the Spirit. And that fellowship forgiveness depends on us forgiving others as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there's the pardon of prayer. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We talked about that over the last two Sundays, the protection of prayer and how we need God for spiritual victory in times of trials and in times of temptation 
So we need God's help. We need God's protection because we don't want to sin. We don't want to fail. We don't want to falter. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now today, finally, we come down to the praise of prayer with what is called the doxology. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I'm preaching out of the New American Standard Translation, the NASB, the New American Standard Translation. I grew up with the King James Bible. And for me, even, even now, there are some Bible passages, for me, that just need to be in the King James. It just don't sound right. For example, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. It just don't sound right in any other translation. It just needs to be King James, or it just doesn't sound right. Just the music of the King James language, 23rd Psalm. The Lord's Prayer is one of those. I learned the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version. And so whenever I'm reciting it, you hear King James. If I'm reading it, you hear New American Standard. But if I'm reciting it, it's King James. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, in the King James Version, it sounds like, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Depending on the translation you're reading or the study Bible you may have, that doxology, those last words, may be treated in different ways. For example, in my New American Standard Bible here, it's in brackets. And there's a margin note that says these words are not found in early manuscripts. So in your Bible, depending on what kind of Bible you have, it may have it in brackets. There may be an asterisk. There may be a footnote, a margin note, just letting you know that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Does not appear in early manuscripts. Newer translations, like the ESV, HCSB, NLT, sounds like alphabet soup, doesn't it? Some of the newest translations, it's not even there. And some of the newer translations, they actually take the step of taking it out of the text block and put it in a footnote. And so depending on the translation you have, study Bible, you may find out those words are not in the text per se, but you have to read a footnote, and your footnote will say, some manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, now what's up with that? What's going on? Modern scholars have a high degree of confidence that that doxology, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, was not in Matthew's original gospel. That somewhere along the way, a copyist added that to Matthew's gospel. Uh, perhaps to make the Lord's Prayer end like a prayer. Because really, uh, deliver us from evil, it's kind of a weird way to end a prayer. And so somebody kind of added that to make it end more like a prayer. Or maybe they added it for liturgical purposes, to, to, for use in church. And so it sounds like something you'd say in church. Um, even that, it's, it, it echoes First Chronicles 29, David's prayer of dedication and praise back in 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. You can read that later on. Um, so what are we to make of this? Here's, here's my opinion. Here's Jeff Burris' opinion. I don't mind when a Bible editor, publisher, translator tells me that, that these words or this verse or these verses are, are, are not in early manuscripts. I don't mind that. That's good to know. Thanks for tell, tell, telling me. And what that says to me is I don't want to build any doctrines on those verses. I'm not going to base practice on those verses alone. But now that said, 
You never build a whole doctrine on any isolated passage. You never base practices on any isolated passage. You always build those things on the whole counsel of God's Word to start with. But okay, I don't mind you telling me, not found in early manuscripts. This is Jeff Burris' opinion. I don't like it when translators, publishers, whoever it is, decide what's in the Bible and what's not in the Bible. And when they take it out of the text and put it in a footnote, I don't like that. That's kind of a, a step too far for me. Y'all remember life before COVID? <laughs> before COVID, in our Sunday night services, we were in a, a study called uh, Bible University. And we were actually studying how to study the Bible. And uh, we talked about how we got our Bible. And we talked about textual variants. That's what this is called when you have words like this that are in some manuscripts, not in other manuscripts, so forth. Um, that's a textual variant. We talked about textual variants and, and all that. Here's the bottom line. God inspired his word. It is God-breathed. It's scripture. It's God-breathed. God inspired his word, and God has preserved his word. The fact that we have a Bible is a miracle of God. It's a miracle. If you know the history of the Bible, it's a miracle. God inspired it, and God has preserved it, and you can trust it. So when it's all said and done, you can trust your Bible. You hold in your hands the Word of God, and you can believe it, you can trust it, you can stake your life on it, you can bank your eternity on it. It is the Word of God. And when it comes to a textual variant like this, like the doxology and the Lord's Prayer, when it comes to a textual variant, I don't mind you telling me, okay, well, it's not in some of the early manuscripts. Okay, but let's deal with it as God has preserved it. Let's deal with it as we have received it. We won't build whole doctrines on it. Okay, but let's go ahead and deal with it as God has seen fit to give it to us. And there's nothing here in this doxology that contradicts the rest of the Word of God. It totally fits. There's nothing here that's unbiblical. And that's, and that's true of all the other textual variants as well. So let's take a look at it and let's talk about the praise of prayer. That said, let's deal with the praise of prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let's take a look. If you have your listening guide, your bulletin sheet, there's a listening guide on the back panel. I invite you to follow along. Let's look at, the, at first of all, the propriety of praise. As we think about the praise of prayer, the propriety of praise. Propriety just means it fits. It's appropriate. Praise fits our praying. Uh, Dick Eastman defined praise as the vocal adoration of God. That's a good definition. The vocal adoration of God, just adoring God, telling God what you love about him and what's true about him and how awesome he is and what's godly about him. Just the vocal adoration of God. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, we see and hear God being praised. God is praised by prophets and by priests, by kings, by ordinary folk. We hear God praised by angels. We hear God being praised in prayers, in songs, um, in sermons, in proclamations. We hear God being praised in private. We hear God being praised in public. We hear God being praised in heaven. In the Revelation, we have glimpses of heavenly worship, scenes of heavenly worship. And in the heavenlies, God is being praised by angels and other heavenly beings. And all through the Bible, we are enjoined, commanded, to praise the Lord. Let me give you a few examples. In Psalm 150, 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Hebrews 13, through him then, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Revelation 4.11, in the heavens, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. That's just a sampling. We're to praise God. Here's your outline. Praise belongs in our prayers. That's the propriety of praise. It's appropriate. Praise belongs belongs in our prayers. We're learning how to pray from the, sermon, from the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer begins with praise. Our Father, which art in heaven. Praising God, recognizing God, celebrating God as a God in the heavens who relates to us as a Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. And again, He becomes your Father when you know His Son, Jesus Christ, is your Lord and Savior. And he is our God in the heavens. He does as he pleases. And, and then the very first petition, the first request in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. In a sense, that's, that's a backhanded praise too because God's name is worthy of being hallowed. He is worthy of being honored and magnified and lifted up. So the Lord's Prayer begins with a praise. With the doxology, it ends with a praise as well. So we come full circle. So we start with a praise, and then we end with a praise. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We start with a Father who's willing to hear our prayers, and then we end with a powerful and glorious King who is able to answer our prayers. So we begin and end with, with praise. Look at the doxology itself. For yours is the kingdom. Now, we talked about the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. His reign, his rule, his realm. He is the everlasting king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has all authority over everything. He is the king, the king of kings. Thy kingdom come, or your, yours is his kingdom. The, the power, yours is the power. He is omnipotent. He has all power. He can do as he pleases. He can answer our prayers. Yours is the glory forever. All glory belongs to him. However he answers our prayers, whatever he does, whatever he allows, whatever happens, to God be the glory. He deserves glory and honor, and it belongs to him and to him alone, and he will share it with no one else. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever, forever. Earthly kings die. Kingdoms pass away. But our God will never die. He's the eternal God. He is the everlasting king. He's unchanging. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen. Amen just means let it be. So be it. It's truth. So amen. Billy Friel wrote this. God is the kingdom. We humbly claim his name and submit to his reign and will in our lives. God is the power. We praise him for his omnipotence to feed us, forgive us, protect us, and preserve us. God is the glory. He alone possesses the attributes of perfection, eternity, and holiness. Truly, hallowed be thy name. So there's the propriety of praise. It's appropriate. It fits. It belongs. Now let's look at the power of praise. When we praise the Lord, that vocal adoration of God, whether in public or in private, 
in our praying or in our worship, when we praise God, things happen. Praise is powerful. It does some pretty strong stuff. Let me show you some of the effects of praise, how powerful it is, the power of praise. One, when we praise God, it redirects our focus. Praising God redirects our focus. We can't help ourselves. We are naturally self-centered. We're natural born sinners, and that's, that's our nature. We, we have to die to self daily. As we follow Christ, we have to die to self. We are naturally self-centered. When you focus, when you praise God, you are moving focus off yourself and on to God. You can't praise God when you're focusing on yourself. You can't focus on yourself when you're praising God. And as we focus on Him, that sets the tone and tenor for our praying. It sets the stage for our worship. I mean, it just sets the course. It puts everything on the right, on the right course. So it, it redirects our focus. Not only that, it changes our perspective. As we praise the Lord, it changes our perspective. As your focus moves from you and your problems and this world onto a praiseworthy God, it really puts things in perspective. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have little problems. All my problems are big. Maybe you have little problems. <laughs> no matter what problem you face, God's bigger. No matter how big it is, how overwhelming it is, how hopeless it seems, God's bigger. And huge problems become little problems in front of a big God. As we praise God, focusing on Him, who He is, what He is like, as we praise the Lord, it puts our problems in perspective. It puts the temporal in perspective when you're focused on eternity. You know, we get all caught up in the soap opera of the now. You know, our, we live in this temporal world and it's all about right here, right now, and it's urgent and what's going to happen and there's no time and, and we get caught up in this soap opera of the urgency of the now and the temporal. But as we focus on an eternal God and his eternal kingdom, a lot of that urgency just kind of begins to look kind of ridiculous. And, and stuff that we freak out about today, it, it won't matter a year from now, let alone 10 years from now. Or in eternity, it won't matter at all. And it just it helps put things in perspective, doesn't it? In size, in, in overwhelmingness or urgency, it just puts things in perspective. Here's something else praising God does. It fortifies our faith. As we focus on God and who He is and what He is like, His qualities and characteristics, His attributes, it, it reminds us and reassures us God can handle this. It's bigger than me, than it's, but it's not bigger than him. And God's got this, and God's got me. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, he's got me in his hands. He's my father in heaven. And whatever I'm facing, he's bigger, and he's stronger, and he's wiser, and he's got this. And it's just, it just reminds me, as I praise him, who he is and what he is like, it just reminds me and reassures me and strengthens my faith. You know what? I can, tr I can believe God. I can trust God. God's got me. I can trust the Lord. It fortifies our faith. And then it inspires more praying. As we praise him, it encourages us to praise him more, praise him better, and to pray to him more. 
and better. It inspires more praying. Adrian Rogers said this, if you run out of things to pray for, just begin to praise and you'll have an ocean to swim in. <laughs> so if you run out of things to pray for, just start praising him. You'll have an ocean to swim in. It also does this. It improves your attitude. It will improve your attitude. It, it will elevate your mood. It will lift your spirits. Praising God will change your attitude. Okay, we're in church. Can we talk a minute? And we're in church. You've got to be honest. You ever get down in the dumps? You ever, I mean, you just get in a blue mood. Just kind of self-pitying. Woe is me. I mean, you just got the blues. You just, eh, like Eeyore. You know, I'm happy. Praise the Lord. You ever get down? Sure we do. We all do. You ever get grumpy? Grouchy? You're in a bad mood. I asked my wife one day, honey, did you wake up grumpy? She said, no, I thought I'd let you sleep. You know, y'all pray for her. Pray for her. No, it didn't happen. That's a joke. My grandson, this did happen. My grandson, he was in a mood one day. He was just grouchy. And we told him, dude, you got a bad, you got a bad attitude. He said, yeah, me have a bad attitude. Sometimes we do have bad attitudes. We just get grumpy and grouchy and nothing's right and meh. When you begin to praise the Lord, focusing on Him, celebrating His attributes, adoring Him for who He is and what He is, it will change your attitude. And that whining and complaining and that griping or that self-pitying, next thing you know, turns into praise and worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. It'll lift your spirits. It'll change your attitude. T.W. Hunt wrote about this. He had that experience. T.W. Hunt said this, I was going through a personal and private grief. So something went wrong. Somebody died. I was going through a personal and private grief. Without realizing it, I also stopped praising God as I prayed. Although I begged God for relief from the grief, no relief came. I struggled through five praiseless days in this dark mood. Then on Saturday, the fifth day of the grief, and the fifth day without any real worship in my prayer life, suddenly I realized that if I praised God on the mountaintop, but refused to praise him in the valley, I was not praising him at all. I was praising my feelings. I did not feel like praising, but also knew that much of our commitment to God is a matter of the will, not a feeling. God had not changed. All his glory, his majesty, his eternal purpose was not dimmed or tainted by the events in my life. So I went to my prayer closet, kneeled before the Lord, and concentrated on his unchanging perfections. I knew that I was still much blessed. My salvation was intact. My family was godly. My job was secure. The dark days had made me concentrate on the unhappiness of the hurt. So I sang the doxology to the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I began to sense a lightness in my spirit that I had not sensed for days. Then I quoted to the Lord all of Psalm 103 with its staggering list of benefits. By now the lightness was becoming a joy in the presence of the Lord. And I marveled at the inner change that praised had worked so quickly. Praise will change your attitude. Lift your spirits. Elevate the mood. And then it fulfills our purpose as well. When we're praising God, we're just fulfilling our purpose. The shorter Westminster Catechism famously states, man's chief end is to, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I mean, that's great. I, I love that. What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's it all mean? What's it for? You're here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's, that's the goal, the meaning, the purpose of life. That's why we're here. And when we praise God, 
Well, we're just doing what we were born for. You're just doing what you were meant to do. You're doing what we're going to do in eternity. We're going to praise the Lord. We fulfill our purpose. Well, there's the propriety of praise. We talked about the power of praise. Now let's talk about the practice of praise. This is strong stuff. So I want to, I want to get good at it. I want to do it. I want to do it right. I want to do it well. I want to do it often. And, and I want to do it better. So let's just get down to the nitty-gritty, real practical, and let's just have praise school. <laughs> We're going to have a praise clinic. How can I praise the Lord and praise Him better? And, and just practical, practical ways. Well, let's, let's define a couple of terms. Thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. We thank God for His actions. We praise God for His attributes. Now, thanksgiving and praise, they're, I mean, they're, they're two great tastes that taste great together, like peanut butter and chocolate, coffee and donuts. They just go together, and there's, there's a hair's difference. But if we can split the hair, we thank God for what he does, his specific actions. We praise God for his attributes. Theologians like that word, attributes, to describe God, his attributes or his perfections. That just means God's characteristics, his qualities, his nature, what God is like. He's perfect in his attributes, so attributes, perfections. So we praise God for who he is, what he's like. Let me give you some examples. And this isn't on your outline. This is free. Um, God is infinite and eternal. That's an attribute. God is infinite and eternal. For example, Psalm 147. He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So God is eternal. He is infinite. God is unique and transcendent. He, he is holy. He is other. Uh, he's in a category all by himself. He is beyond everything. He, and he is, he's above everything. And he is unlike everything. For example, Psalm 113. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? 1 Samuel 2, 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. He is omniscient and wise. He is omniscient. That just means he knows everything. He has all knowledge and he is wise. In Romans eleven thirty three, 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of his wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. He is righteous and kind. Psalm 145, 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. So those are just some of his attributes, not his actions. Those are attributes, qualities about God. So we thank him for his actions, praise him for his attributes. Now with that in mind, let me give you some exercises. Here are just some ways to praise the Lord. Praise him well, praise him often, praise him better. Let's turn thanksgivings into praise. You can turn thanksgivings into praise. So here are some things you could do every day. You can start today. One, thank him for material blessings or material possessions. Every day, there's something you could thank him for, a material possession. Did you, did you drive here in a car? Thank the Lord for your car. Well, it's not a good car. It's an old car, and it's in now the shop all the time, and I sure would like to have a newer car. Well, at least you didn't have to walk here. You don't have to walk to work. Praise the Lord, you got a car. You can thank him for a car. You have a place to sleep. You have a home. Thank the Lord you have a home. 
you had breakfast this morning, you have food on the table. Thank the Lord, you got food on the table. So you always have, you have clothes to wear. You're not running around here naked. <laughs> thank the Lord. So you got clothes to wear. We can thank the Lord. You got something, a material possession, a need that God has met. You could thank him for that every day. And then you can turn to thanksgiving and to praise. Lord, thank you for the car I drive. Thank you. I wouldn't mind a newer one, but Lord, thank you for the one I got. And then you can praise him. Thank you for, God. see, it's so close, I, I interchange it without trying. I praise you for being a faithful provider. You're a father who takes care of his kids. I praise you for that. I thank you for it, and I praise you for it. So every day you could thank him for a material blessing, material possession, and then praise him accordingly. Um, every day you could thank him for a physical blessing. Every day, just nitty-gritty stuff. Here's a little prayer exercise. You could thank God for a physical blessing. Can you see? Thank the Lord. You can see. Can you hear? Even with hearing aids, <laughs> but you can hear? Thank the Lord. You can hear. Some folks can't. You can smell and taste. You used to take that for granted. <laughs> then COVID. Uh, no, if you can smell your food, taste your food, thank the Lord. Some folks can't. Even after COVID, some folks still can't. Thank the Lord, you can smell and taste. Uh, you got teeth, you chew it. Thank the Lord, you got teeth. Um, your hands work. Thank the Lord. You got hands and they work. You can get up and walk across the room. Thank the Lord. There are a lot of folks who can't get up and walk across the room. They'd give anything to. I mean, we, have, we all have physical blessings we can thank the Lord for. Then you can turn that thanksgiving into a praise. God, I praise you for being a creator who designed the body the way you did. And you know, the more you know about biology, the more you ought to praise him, the divine genius of creation. The, the body is amazing how God designed us and created us. And just you stand in awe. You can Worship him and praise him for creation, for being a healer. If you've, if you've had healing, you've had surgeries, or somehow God has healed you in times past, praise him for being a God who heals, being the author of life. We can thank God for spiritual blessings. So here's, here's thirdly, we can thank him for material possessions, praise him for being a faithful provider. Uh, you can thank him for physical blessings and praise him for being creator or healer. Thank him for, for spiritual blessings. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? If so, thank God. You've been saved from your sins, saved from a devil's hell. Thank the Lord. He saved you. You can thank him for that every day. Thank him for the forgiveness of sins. You can thank him for joy. Thank him for peace. Thank him for his presence. Thank him for your Bible. Thank him for your church. Thank him you can thank the Lord for spiritual blessings. And then we can turn those praises into thanksgivings. Praise God for being a God who loves sinners. We love him because he first loved us. And while we were yet sinners, we didn't love him. We didn't give God a second thought. God loved us and he proved it. He gave his only begotten son to die for us. Gave his son for you and for me. We can praise him for being a God who loves sinners, a God who saves sinners. Praise him for forgiveness. Praise him for mercy. Praise him for grace. Praise him for who he is in these spiritual gifts. And then we can thank God for individual people. There are folks in your life you can thank the Lord for. If you have or had loving parents, thank the Lord for that. If you had Christian parents, 
Boy, howdy. Praise the Lord. I had somebody just a couple weeks ago just saying, I'm so grateful God gave me Christian parents. I was raised going to church. And I knew Christ at an early age because of my parents. Praise. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? So if you have loving parents, let alone Christian parents, thank the Lord for that. Uh, We can thank the Lord for uh, um, our parents. If if you're married, thank the Lord for your spouse. Thank the Lord for your children. Thank the Lord for friends. And then we can turn around and praise God. Praise God for being a father in heaven. Uh, A God who reveals himself to us as father, relates to us as a father, and we become his children through faith in Jesus Christ. we, We can praise God for being faithful and true, a friend that sticks closer than a brother who is dependable even when we're not dependable. He's faithful when we are unfaithful. We can praise him in all these ways. So we can turn thanksgiving into praise. Here's another practical way of getting better at praising God. You can turn requests into praises. Turn requests into praises. So when we come to the Lord in prayer, letting our request be known, asking the Lord for this, that, and the other, next thing you know, we're praising God in light of the request. In the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's a request. Lord, I I need food. I need clothing. I need shelter. I need a car. I need a job. I need this. So we ask, but then we can turn right around and also praise him for being a faithful provider. A father in heaven who knows what his kids needs before they even ask them. And that the Lord sees you, he knows you, he cares about you. Jesus said the hairs on your head are even numbered. That's a God who knows and not a God who cares. A God who sees and, he, and he's providing. He provides so we can praise him even as we ask. And then that praise informs the ask. Oh, in, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, forgive me my sins. I said what I shouldn't have said. I did what I shouldn't have did. And I thought what I shouldn't have thought. And Lord, forgive me. And then we can praise him for being a God who forgives. A God who is merciful. A God who is patient. And then, uh, this isn't on your outline, but we could, you could ask for healing. We just did a while ago, praying for healing for, for our friends. Lord, we ask for healing. And then we can praise God. You're the author of life. You're our creator. You're our great physician. You're a God who, who heals. So we can, we can ask for wisdom. James chapter 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm over here. If you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach. We can praise God for being a wise God who has his, his, his knowledge is all encompassing. He knows all. He is wise. His ways are mysterious. We can praise him for that. You're, you're hurting. You're grieving. We can, we can come to him and pray for comfort. And then praise him for being the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. So we can turn our request into praises. And then we can praise him for his attributes. We can just praise him for his attributes. Let me give you three practical ways of doing this. One, as you read scripture. As you read scripture. I hope you read the Bible every day. There are all kinds of Bible reading plans out there. Pick one. Um, we, we have one out here. You can read the Bible. You can read the New Testament by Easter, and then you could read the Old Testament by the end of the year. But that, that's just one plan. There are all kinds of Bible plans. But read your Bible every day. Now watch this. As you read the Bible, you'll find a reason to praise God every day on every page. You, you, you're just going to come across it. You can start at the beginning. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, let's just stop right there. We can praise God for being the God of creation. He's the creator. And what genius 
in creation. And as you read the way God did it, God, you're so smart. <laughs> you know, and you can praise God for being creator and, and how he created. Fast forward, maybe you're reading the story of Jonah. You know the story of Jonah, great fish and all that. There's a reason to praise God. You can praise God for being patient. What a merciful, patient God, one with a knucklehead like Jonah. I mean, he just needed to be thumped in the head. And, and yet God was merciful and patient with a disobedient prophet. God was merciful and gracious to a pagan people, the city of Nineveh. These are pagans. And they were ripe for judgment. They needed God's judgment. And God, but here's a merciful God who sent a disobedient prophet to go warn them, judgment's coming, but you get one last chance to repent. And they did repent, and God gave them a reprieve from judgment. That's mercy. What a merciful, loving, gracious God. As you read the story of Jonah, you could praise God for being mysterious and unpredictable. You know, here's this disobedient prophet. God said, I want you to go this way. And Jonah says, nope, I ain't going that way. I'm going this way. I want you to go preach to Nineveh, not me. I ain't going. Next thing you know, he gets swallowed up by a great fish. Whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, wow. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God, your ways are mysterious and you are so unpredictable. You can praise him for that. You might be reading Psalm 119, a psalm about the Bible. Or, or you hear Jesus say in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And you turn around and praise God for being the God of truth. We live in a world of liars who lie, right? Liars lie and they lie all the time. Just lie, lie, lie. You can't believe anybody unless it's on the internet and then you know it's true. But other than that, you just can't believe anything you read or hear. I mean, just liars and liars and liars. But you can believe everything that comes out of, the word, out of the Word of God and the mouth of God. He is truth. He cannot lie. He is truth. You can praise Him for being a God of truth. You read the book of Esther. Here's a fun fact. In the book of Esther, in your Bible, God is never mentioned. That's weird. Here's a whole book in the Bible, uh, this whole amazing story, a historical event, and yet God is never mentioned one time. But as you read the book of Esther, God's all over it, but he's not mentioned at all. But he is all over it. We can praise God. What a God. What a sovereign God. Even when he doesn't make the news, he's the God who makes the news. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's always there. He's sovereign. He's working behind the scenes, whether we acknowledge it or not. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. We need to hurry. You can make a list of God's attributes and praise through it. Again, we're just praising God in his attributes. So you could just make a list. A, a good study Bible might help you with that. You could make your own list or a theology book would do that. But you can just make a list of God's attributes and pick one a day and praise him through that list of attributes. I'll give you a quick and dirty list real quick. You can't write this down this fast, but just listen. His greatness. God is great. God is good. Well, there's two. God is great. He's a great God. God is good. That's his fundamental nature. The Lord is good. Nahum 1 7. Hey, God is great. God is good. We could, uh, his, his knowledge, his power, holiness, grace, glory, um, patience, love, wisdom. He is faithful. He is righteous, merciful, generous. He's unchanging. You know, the omnis. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's, he's omniscient. He knows all things. Um, eternal. Uh, just the attributes of God. You could praise through the list. And then you could study his names. And there are books and Bible studies out there about the names of God. You pick one up. And as you study the names of God, you learn his attributes and more reasons to praise him. El Shaddai. In Genesis 17, God reveals that name 
to Abraham. Abraham is a 99-year-old man with an 89-year-old wife. They don't have any kids. And yet God tells this 99-year-old man and his 89-year-old wife, I'm going to give you a kid and I'm going to make a nation out of your descendants. Well, how's that going to happen? I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. Um, he's the Prince of Peace in Isaiah chapter 9. He is the Prince of Peace. When you're stressed out, worried, uh, unsure, uh, when you're scared, you can call on the Prince of Peace and, and praise him as the Prince of Peace, who gives a peace that passes all understanding. He's the living God. He's the author of life. He is alive. He is, he is the living God. He's Jehovah Jireh. Uh, he's the one who will provide. As you go through his names, you'll learn his attributes and you can praise him through them. Well, those are just some practical ways of getting good at praising the Lord. Here's how we pray. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Is he your Father? He's your creator. He's your judge. But he's not your Father unless Jesus is your Savior. Have you been saved? Have you turned from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, today's the day, now's the time. And I invite you in a moment, we're going to stand up and sing a hymn of decision. And I invite you to come to me. If you have questions or if you're ready to say yes or if you're not sure, but I invite you to come today and say yes to Jesus Christ. We'd love to have a private conversation with you. We won't pressure you. We won't embarrass you. We wouldn't do that for anything. But we can answer your questions and share with you some scriptures and pray with you if you'd like to. But you could leave here today knowing that Jesus is your Savior and your sins are forgiven and God is your Father who art in heaven. But that's the whole basis of praying our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. If you know the Lord, is, is that the burning desire of your life? I want God glorified in me, whether by life or by death. Thy kingdom come. Is that your, is, is that your desire? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his reign and rule manifested in your life. Are, are you working and praying toward the, the salvation of the lost and the surrender of the saved and the return of our Savior? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that your agenda? Or is it about your will being done? Give us this day our daily bread. Do you walk by faith or do you walk by sight and self-sufficiency? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Are you walking in that fellowship forgiveness, that daily walk with the Lord, communion with Him? You're, and it depends on you forgiving others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you love God, you hate sin. Do you hate sin? Do you fear faltering in your faith and depend on him for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen is that the capstone of your life and your praying thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen let's pray together father in heaven god we thank you for your word we thank you for the lord's prayer thank you for prayer thank you for teaching us what we have seen over these weeks as we learn how to pray uh, from our savior Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live in light of these truths, to praise you as we have learned it, to pray as we have been taught. Lord, I pray for the one who's never been saved. Help him to see, help her to know she needs Jesus Christ. He must be born again. It's not about joining a church or being religious or going through some rite or signing a creed, but it's about a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Lord, bring them to the cross even today. Take charge of this time of decision. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.